How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a political analyst for WGN-TV and radio in Chicago, and a contributor to The Hill in Washington, D.C. My company, Bannon Communication Research, polls for and designs research-based media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling communications company, go to Facebook.com front slash Bannon dash communications dash research. My Twitter handle is Brad Bannon. Today we'll preview uh, the Democratic presidential race. Our guest today in the first half hour is Amy Parnas, national political correspondent for The Hill. Democratic strategist Tim Zink joins our own Mark Romaldi for the provocative progressive political panel in the second half hour. If you want to be part of the show and talk directly to me and our guest, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. These are the questions that we'll discuss today on the show. Inquiring minds want to know. Sanders surges while Warren wanes. Why has Bernie Sanders replaced Elizabeth Warren as the biggest threat to Joe Biden's nomination? Will the Sanders surge carry the Vermont senator to victory next week in Iowa and in New Hampshire the week after that? Three, how big a threat is is Bernie Sanders to Joe Biden winning the Democratic presidential nomination? Our guest in this first half hour is Amy Parnas, who covers presidential politics for the Hill. Amy, along with John Allen, are the authors of the New York Times bestseller on the 2016 presidential campaign, Shattered, Inside Hillary Clinton's Doomed Campaign. Amy, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Thanks for coming on. We know you must be very busy. Oh yes, it's uh, the time is getting increasingly busier as uh, <laughs> the caucus nears next week. 
Yeah, we got the caucus next week. Uh, we got the uh, State of the Union next week. Uh, we've got uh, the eighth Democratic uh, presidential debate next week. So I imagine you'll keep pretty busy. Definitely. Uh, let's start with year. this. Uh, the big news of the day, I guess, uh, is that uh, the New York Times published a report that John Bolton, uh, in his book, says that he met personally with Donald Trump. And at that meeting, the president asked him to hold out, uh, hold up a arms aid to the Ukraine uh, until they began a, an investigation of uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter. So, you know, the question is, this is big news today, uh, is all this news out of Washington about John Bolton and the impeachment, you think that's a big factor uh, in the decision that Iowa voters are going to make next week and New Hampshire voters the week after this? It's been interesting, Brad, because I think people are still, they, they still think that Joe Biden, because he has campaigned on electability from the start and even before he jumped into the campaign um, that he can be the one to beat Donald Trump and of course this is all what this this election has been about who can win who can beat President Trump and so I think that it remains to be seen whether the impeachment and and Joe Biden's involvement in the impeachment will bolster his campaign or will kind of hinder it and um, you know People don't want a um, an, an echo of 2016 or a repeat of 2016, where uh, Hillary Clinton came in with some baggage, um, and you know, say what you want about her email controversy that kind of um, drowned her drowned her out a little bit in the campaign, and it was something that plagued her and loomed over her campaign throughout. So I think people kind of want a candidate who doesn't come in with that sort of thing, and and you know, can kind of start the Democratic Party anew and take the party in a new direction. And that's why you're seeing all this all this polling kind of suggesting that Bernie Sanders is now in the lead. And But then you also see polls at the same time that show that Joe Biden is in the lead. So it's, it's definitely a race between the two of those men. And we'll see what happens next week. That'll be our first big test. Well, you brought up an interesting issue. Uh, you wrote a story a couple of weeks ago. Uh, basically, uh, the premise was, was the uh, matchup between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden in 2020 mm-hmm. um, a, a repeat of the uh, Sanders-Clinton uh, uh, matchup in 2016? Do you think it is? Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, I think a lot of people, that's why I was just saying that I think that people are are kind of interested to see if this impeachment, if all this talk of Joe Biden inside the impeachment trial uh, will kind of sink his campaign or if it will help it. Um, and I, I just don't have a clear enough answer at this point. I think that he has managed to kind of stay above the fray and um, not involve himself too much in it. And so the, the big question will be, you know, do voters see that as a problem? Will Donald Trump kind of make so much of an issue of that that he will sort of spin this around on Joe Biden? And will we have another 2016 on our hands? And I think everyone is trying to avoid that. And that's why you're kind of seeing Bernie Sanders, I think, surge and bubble up a little bit because, A, he's been around. His supporters are very – he has a very devoted cadre of followers who basically – 
you know, will will stick with him throughout. He has uh, strong surrogates like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who are rallying at his side. And so I think all of that is sort of indicative of why he is surging right now and why he's kind of giving Joe Biden a run for his money. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, at least what I saw yesterday, we had three Iowa polls come out. Uh, two of them had uh, uh, Bernie Sanders in the lead. One of them mm-hmm. had Joe Biden in the lead. And <laughs> my guess is if there was a, a strong, a strong icy uh, wind blowing across the barren cornfields in Iowa uh, could completely reshape this race in the next seven days. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely. I guess it's anybody's yeah. game and New Hampshire, too. It's, um, you know, you yeah. have Bernie Sanders doing very well in some polls and then you have Joe Biden doing well. So it'll and, you know, polls took such a hit during 2016. So it's really hard to say where we are, but it gives us some indication yeah, but, uh, like you say, uh, political polling is uh, the is like the weather in New England. If you don't like it, <laughs> uh, wait 15 minutes for the next one. Uh, anyway, we're going to go to break now. Uh, we get back. We will uh, uh, continue our interview with Amy Parnas, national political correspondent of the Hill, and also a number one, uh, number one best-selling author on uh, on the New York Times list for her 2000 book on the presidential campaign with John Allen. We'll be back after these messages. We've heard a detailed description of perhaps the greatest abuse of power ever by a U.S. president. And turns out America is watching. In fact, day one of Trump's impeachment trial drew 11 million viewers. That's a lot of people, okay? That's not Super Bowl ratings, but it's at least Puppy Bowl ratings. (laughs) Though that's not really fair to compare puppies to U.S. senators. The puppies still have their balls. As we speak, the Democratic House managers are still making their case, and they're trying to keep it simple. Like when Jerry Nadler tried to explain why crime is bad. The framers had three specific offenses in mind. You can think of these as the ABCs of high crimes and misdemeanors. Abuse, betrayal, and corruption. Ooh, ABC, that's good. Uh, Let me try a simple one. Uh, The impeachment, one, two, threes. Trump never won the popular vote. He's... Too corrupt to have the job, and three years is really enough. (laughs) By law, senators are supposed to sit quietly and pay attention, but today, according to reporters in the gallery, Senator Burr has a fidget spinner. Rand Paul has quite the sketch of the Capitol going, and Marsha Blackburn is reading a book. That book? Chicken soup for when you've sold your soul. The rules also say they're supposed to stay in the room for the entire trial. But during last night's session, Lindsey Graham left the Senate chamber for over 20 minutes. When a reporter asked him where he went, Graham replied, to the bathroom. (laughs) 20 minutes in the bathroom? Those are teenage numbers. (laughs) Lindsey! Lindsey, what's going on in there? Are you on the phone? Are you on the phone getting marching orders from the White House? Uh, uh, no, I swear I'm masturbating. (laughs) But you know, if senators are looking for things to do without their phones, we've created an activity book they can play (laughs) called 
101 fun things to do in the Senate other than pay attention to impeachment is loaded with puzzles like getting money to Ukraine through the maze of corruption, spot six differences between these two impeachments, and if those two are too hard, connect one dot. That, of course, was Stephen Colbert, uh, the late-night uh, comics do a great job commenting on American politics. Um, I guess we have them. You don't really need me, do you? Well, anyway, uh, we've got a few minutes left here with our guest, Amy Parnas, who is the national cor- political correspondent for The Hill. Uh, Amy, along with John Allen, were the authors of a New York Times bestseller on the presidential race in 2016, which I assume you can probably get on Amazon, shattered inside Hillary Clinton's doomed campaign. Uh, And uh, I'm sure she's already hard at work at her potential 2021 bestseller. Uh, Anyway, uh, Amy, I think uh, one thing that's pretty clear uh, in recent polls is that uh, Bernie Sanders has overtaken uh, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren um, as the uh, uh, in the number two spot uh, under Joe Biden. Uh, I don't know, probably back in the summer. Um, Elizabeth Warren seemed like the greatest uh, threat to uh, Joe Biden's uh, nomination. Uh, what happened in the last few months? I and mean, it seemed to me, I mean, basically over the summer, yeah, Bernie was on the ropes. Uh, he was lagging in the polls. He had a heart attack. Uh, but he's really come back with gangbusters to uh, supplant Warren as the progressive alternative uh, to Joe Biden. Uh, what do you think happened? A few things happened. I think, first of all, we sort of, as a collective, we kind of underestimated him. He had a a massive operation and a massive movement in 2016 that he kind of carried through, uh, carried with him through the last few years. Um, And a very strong, as I said earlier, a very strong group of supporters who um, stuck with him. And I think what he had and what he had in 2016 that also applies to uh, this cycle is that he has a very clear and concise message and he speaks to people and people know exactly what he wants um, and what he wants to do and what to accomplish. And that is something that carries a lot of weight in these elections. I think that that's one of the reasons why when you look back at 2016, a lot of people were questioning why Hillary is running and what her message was. Bernie Sanders has that message. Um, but he, but he, you know, he has the strong organization. He has, like I said, the message. He has very strong surrogates like AOC on the trail for him. And I think this is all working for him. It, it really, and I think people at the same time were sort of doubting what Elizabeth Warren um, was standing for. And um, she stumbled over health care a bit and, and, Bernie Sanders sort of remained strong right after his heart attack. He kind of turned right around. He had the AOC endorsement that came shortly thereafter. And it's been, he's been surging ever since and with no signs of stopping. So I definitely think that right as of right now, it's a race between uh, the former vice president and, and Bernie Sanders. Uh, If you look at the uh, polls and they, again, they are kind of jumbled. Um, at least in Iowa, you have uh, four candidates 
uh, who were in double digits. Uh, that would be mm-hmm. uh, Biden, Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and uh, former Mayor Pete. Uh, Ellen Globuchar seems to be uh, rising out of the dust. Uh, do you think there's uh, a chance uh, that in the next week uh, she could catch on and uh, become a serious player in Iowa? I definitely think she's counting on that. She has spent so much time in Iowa. Uh, as soon as she finished with the impeachment one day, she had she headed right back there. I think she's logged um, as many hours as anyone there on the ground. And so she has really, I think she's had a few very strong debate performances that have sort of captured a lot of people's attention. No one really, she didn't have the name recognition going into this, like Elizabeth Warren did or her colleague Bernie Sanders, either of them. So I think she has really put in the work and the effort to sort of ensure that um, that she is still in the race. She's still fundraising pretty well, and she is, like I said, she's she's uh, she's been throughout the state in front of crowds and making a name for herself, and that's really helped her. Okay, uh, let's uh, let me ask you a question about uh, Hillary Clinton. You probably have covered Hillary Clinton uh, during her political career as much as anybody else. Uh, you wrote a book about her presidential campaign in 2016. Uh, for months in 2019, I kept seeing, especially in the social media, all these attacks from Sanders supporters against Hillary Clinton. And I'd always think to myself, what's the point? She's not even running for president. Um, oh. Then about a week ago, uh, she launched a, a pretty strong attack uh, on Sanders, uh, basically saying no one liked him. Uh, and I thought to myself, why? She's not running for president. It seems to me that she should be focusing her fire against Donald Trump because she, more than anybody else, is in a position to say, I told you so about Donald Trump. Um, so why all of a sudden out of, well, I guess I was going to say out of nowhere, but why all of a sudden uh, this very uh, aggressive attack against uh, Bernie Sanders? Is this just uh, she f- still feels bent out of shape about uh, how 2016 played out or is it more than that i think i think it's definitely that in a lot of ways she blames um senator sanders for her loss as well as jim comey and uh, and, uh, russia of course but yes i think a lot of this is still sort of you know this i think was done um shortly thereafter after the election so she was still obviously ruminating about this but i think she definitely thinks that bernie sanders had a huge impact on why she lost a lot of people around her feel like he never really put in the effort in the end and never campaigned as as hard as he should have for her people point to the way she campaigned for barack obama in 2008 and said that bernie sanders didn't wasn't as helpful as she was to obama and so i think there is sort of still a lot of people kind of harbor that ill will. And so that is at play. And I think a lot of Democrats are also concerned about the, the Sanders um, the Sanders race at this point. And, you know, they, they don't think that the people should, or that the country should swing in that direction. And so yeah. there's that. Yep. And so all of this is playing out. Okay. Amy, I want to thank you very much for joining us. I know you're very busy. Uh, and uh, good luck in next week, and uh, because everybody, uh, all the media covering politics are going to be uh, up against the wall. So thanks for taking the time and joining us on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. 
We'll be back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon right after these messages with our progressive proactive political panel. Welcome back to Deadline DC uh, with Brad Bannon. Uh, in this half hour, we'll, as, as our custom, have our provoca- progressive provocative uh, political panel. Uh, before we do that, I want to share my thoughts with you about uh, the uh, upcoming Iowa caucuses. And remember, the Iowa caucuses are only uh, six days from today. Excuse me, uh, yes, six, seven days from today. And the New Hampshire primary is only 15 days away. The Iowa caucus on February 3rd may not be, be the beginning of the end of the presidential race, but it is the end of the beginning of campaign 2020. After thousands of speeches, rallies, phone calls, television ads, fundraisers, social media hits, and door knocks, some Americans will finally vote for president and have their ballots counted next Monday. A flood of polls and endorsements signal the, co- the coming of caucus day in Iowa. A New York, a new poll of political caucus participants by the New York Times had good news for Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, while newspaper endorsements in the state gave boost to Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren and former Vice President Joe Biden. The New York Times headline for its Iowa poll was this, Sanders seizes lead in volatile Iowa race. That's a good summary of the state of the race there. Sanders, Warren, Biden, and former Mayor Pete um, all have led in Iowa polls in recent months, but the senator from the Green Mountain State is in the driver's seat a week before the caucuses. But a strong gust of icy wind across across the frozen cornfields of Iowa this week could upend the race, since the poll also indicates that two out of every five Democrats have not made a final decision only a week before they caucus. Warren did secure the endorsement of the Des Moines Register, the state's largest newspaper over the weekend, but the results of the Times poll were cold comfort to her campaign. Sanders has surged while Warren's support has waned. Warren dropped 7% since the Times last polled in Iowa, which was last October. In the same period, Sanders picked up 6%. Sanders and Warren are locked in a battle to champion the aggressive progressive wing of the Democratic Party, and the senator from Vermont is winning that fight. In the Times survey, uh, Sanders has a big advantage over his Senate colleague from Massachusetts among caucus goers who consider themselves very liberal. Last fall, Warren was very competitive with Sanders among liberal Democrats, but that was then and this is now. The comprehensive single-payer health care proposal, Medicare for All, is the shining star for progressive Democrats, and Warren's inconsistent handling of the issue is the source of her problems with that group of Democrats. So let the games begin. Iowa voters will have some peace and quiet after February 3rd, but there would be no rest for the weary hordes of journalists and politicos who will descend on the Granite State for the primary there eight days later. 
the big kahuna, the 16 primaries and caucuses on Super Tuesday, is only 29 days after Iowa. That's when the real fun begins and where the road ends for some of the Democratic presidential candidates. You can read my take on the presidential hill uh, on the presidential race in the Hill every Monday. Just Google muckrack m u c k r a c k dot com front slash Brad dash Bannon. That's muckrack dot com front slash Brad dash Bannon. Now it's time for our provocative progressive political panel. Joining me on the panel this week is Tim Zink, a principal at Molecule, a public affairs and business company. Tim has spent his distinguished career shaping public policy and politics. Also on the panel is our own executive producer, Mark Romaldi, who is a progressive political activist. Welcome, gentlemen, to the provocative progressive political panel. Uh, Let's start with this. Uh, the big news, we're only uh, a week away from uh, the Iowa caucuses, but the big news today uh, is John Bolton. Uh, New York Times reported yesterday that uh, John Bolton's uh, upcoming book uh, will uh, report uh, that uh, he had a private meeting with the president uh, in, I believe, last August, and the president uh, told uh, John Bolton, his national security advisor at the time, uh, that he wanted to withhold arms shipments to the Ukraine until that country launched an investigation of uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Now, this course directly contradicts the president's assertion that there was no quid pro quo uh, between arms to the Ukraine and an investigation of his uh, possible 2020 presidential opponent. Uh, A couple of Republicans uh, this morning have said that the Bolton story uh, has uh, aroused them to to consider the possibility of voting to have witnesses uh, testify, including John Bolton, after the Trump defense team finishes its uh, presentation this week. Uh, Now, the uh, Democrats will need four Republican votes uh, in order to uh, permit witnesses, including John Bolton, to testify. So the question is, what's going to happen now? Tim, uh, do you think uh, uh, four Republicans will join the Democratic ranks uh, to vote in favor of uh, witnesses? Uh, Already, uh, 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 Susan Collins of Maine uh, and one one other uh, Republican senator, Mitt Romney, have suggested they might vote to have witnesses. Uh, Do you think we'll end up having witnesses in the uh, Senate trial, Tim? I guess what, hey, Brad, how are you? I guess what I really uh, feel is that this is the uh, Republican Senate, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell's worst nightmare. Uh, and it's his worst nightmare because uh, this creates a significant amount of doubt out there that, um, that there's going to be a drip, drip, drip of additional information that might continue to um, uh, uh, lead uh, greater credence to um uh, uh, Republicans' uh, desire to, or excuse me, Democrats' uh, assertions that 
they are uh, that there's more information that the reason we need witnesses is, is because um, is because uh, the entire fact set needs to be public and so uh, I would think this puts a substantial pressure uh, on on the Republicans uh, particularly the four that we that have close elections uh, that uh, you know that uh, they, they're going to have to vote in favor of of some sort of of witnesses at the Senate trial. Uh, yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, this is being Mitch McConnell's uh, worst nightmare. Mitch McConnell wants to get this trial over without witnesses uh, for the reason you suggested, that the drip, 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 drip of negative information about the president uh, will hurt Republicans in November, and he's probably right about that. Um, probably isn't right about much, uh, that much, but he probably is right that the continuation of these hearings, especially with witnesses, uh, will be something that all uh, Republicans uh, will live to regret. Uh, Tim, what do you make of this Bolton? St- uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, Mark, what do you uh, what do you make of this Bolton story? I think it's devastating. I've also seen reaction from Republican senators uh Privately, there's reports that they're furious at the White House for the fact that they were sitting on this manuscript for a month and gave them no heads up that this even existed. Um, And they're obviously doing their best to uh, try to, you know, protect the president versus protect the American people. And this just makes it harder to do so with a straight face. And, And there's the elections coming up to hold them accountable, because make no mistake about it, if there were not elections coming up for these senators, I think they would be more willing to just try to sweep this under the rug, no matter how ridiculous it is um, that you're fighting to whether or not to even have witnesses at a trial. Um, the other thing that I, I find a couple things interesting, and as the, you, you see the um, the news coming out in reaction to this story and how it's shaping today, uh, there was another interesting piece in that New York Times story where it says that um, Secretary from Bolton's manuscript, Secretary of State Pompeo acknowledged privately that there was no basis to claims by the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, that the ambassador to Ukraine, uh, Yovanovitch, was corrupt and believed Mr. Giuliani may have been acting on behalf of other clients. So that right there, I think, is also extremely significant because it shows that Pompeo knew uh, already that it was false and was peddling all this stuff, not just to the American people, but was going along with what Trump wanted, even though he knew it was a lie and going against our own intelligence community. And there's his own national uh, security advisor, John Bolton, confirming this um, and confirming it to be true. So, uh, you know, that's very significant. And I also thought that um, the the quote within the last hour from Senator Angus King to uh, NPR uh, was very significant. He said, quote, I'm already hearing a number of Republicans who are moving toward voting to at least hear from John Bolton. And then he said um, when asked if four Republicans, which is the number needed uh, to to break uh, the tie, would vote to uh, hear witnesses, he said, quote, I think there will be more. My bold prediction will be five or ten. Now, again, this is just a prediction, but um, I, I mean, I don't see why he would come out and say that. And I don't see why 
Collins and Romney would come out and make the statements that they've made today if they didn't plan to vote for witnesses, because why would they do that? Why would they come out and say that if they could just give a no comment or no answer, but they're going out of their way to say that they want to hear witnesses and they're going to have a chance to vote for it. So, I mean, I, I just, it's becoming increasingly likely that we're going to hear witnesses and that is huge because if you have Bolton out there now, it remains to be seen what the white house can do to try to muzzle him. But, I mean, they can subpoena the manuscript because there's no executive privilege between former national security advisor and publisher, um, which was brought up uh, by some legal analysts. So even if you just get the manuscript into the record, uh, it's still directly from Bolton. And then at that point, if you're getting the manuscript, why wouldn't you bring Bolton out there? I think eventually the story may be so bad that they may want potentially, I mean, who's, who knows their strategy, but they may want to get Bolton out there, the Republican side, so they can try to dirty him up. Or I saw Lou Dobbs, who is a, a total, you know, Trump sycophant, his tweet today, which is predictable, is is saying that, uh, you know, Bolton's part of the deep state, that he's the next Jim Comey. So it's just, it's hilarious to see the way that they try to shape this when you couldn't get more, you know, neoconservative than someone like John Bolton. Um, and the fact that they're trying to paint him as some, you know, deep state liberal is just, I'm sorry, but it's laughable to me anyway. I don't know your take on this, Brad. Yeah, it's pretty laughable. Uh, yeah. Um, John, you know, it's funny. Anybody who opposes the Democrat, the president in, uh, is automatically a member of any Republican, any member of the Trump administration who opposes uh, or has a difference of opinion with the president is a member of the liberal deep state. It is kind of lurkus. Uh, we'll be back after this break uh, with more of Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon to discuss the Democratic presidential race. So hang on, listen to these messages, and we'll be back to you soon. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, We are doing our provocative progressive political panel. Joining me on the panel today is Tim Zink, a principal at Molecule, a public affairs and business company, and also Tim's a dem- renowned Democratic strategist. Uh, joining him on Tim on the panel is our own executive producer and progressive political activist, Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Tim, uh, in the last two days, I've seen three polls out of Iowa. Uh, two of them show that Bernie Sanders is in the lead, and one of them that shows uh, Joe Biden is in the lead. Uh, there's no question there's a Sanders surge going on in Iowa and in New Hampshire. Uh, and Sanders has also uh, crept up on Joe Biden in the national polls. Uh, so uh, tell me, what do you, what, where do you think this Democratic race is um, a week before Iowa and two weeks before the New Hampshire primary? Well, as you know, Brad, a week uh, before the primary in in uh, in Iowa means a lifetime, and so look, this this race continues to be very fluid, albeit with some momentum on Bernie's side. Um, so um, we'll have to see if uh, his time spent stuck or sequestered in the Senate working on the impeachment trials or his constitutional obligations there. Uh, will have an impact because it allows Mr. Biden to be out 
um, you know, working the all-important uh, caucus uh, uh, attendees. Uh, at the same time, I didn't hear you mention Elizabeth Warren. I think she's the major. Uh, I think she uh, sort of uh, is the major uh, um, uh, sort of uh, detriment here in terms of her ability to uh, regain her momentum. She continues to trail in New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina. Uh, it doesn't look good for her, especially if she doesn't hold on to some high, um, you know, third or fourth place. Uh, or even second place win there in um, in Iowa. So I think Elizabeth Warren is a, is a difficult position. I think expectations are pretty low for uh, Vice President Biden in Iowa. So um, uh, he may uh, live to, to uh, win another day. Uh, yeah, let me ask you this, Tim. Um, it's possible, and you know there's really no way of telling even a week out, but um it's uh, certainly possible Bernie Sanders will win Iowa uh, and New Hampshire. Uh, and if Sanders does win Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, can Joe Biden recover from that? Yeah, I think he could recover from that, especially if he continues to do well in Nevada, South Carolina, and into Super Tuesday. Um, you know, in terms of the total... Uh, in, in terms of the, the, the votes, uh, in terms of the, uh, his ability to sort of rack up uh, big points, uh, he has the ability to do that if he does well in Nevada, South Carolina, and then in Super Tuesday. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, Mark, let me ask you this. Uh, it's pretty clear, whatever poll you look at, uh, that Elizabeth Warren is the uh, casualty uh, of the Sanders surge. Uh, they've been going up and down um, for months now. When Warren goes up, Sanders goes down. Uh, when War- when Sanders goes up, Warren goes down. Uh, if uh, Bernie Sanders uh, beats her, what, first of all, why, why do you think this is happening? Why is uh, Sanders surging at Warren's expense? You know, I, I, there's a couple of reasons, I think, anyway. Um, I, I saw that Senator Warren started having a dip in the polls after the debate happened where she came in leading and she was attacked um, by the likes of Mayor Buttigieg and Senator Klobuchar and, and some of the other more moderate candidates on her health care plan. And she seemed to retreat back a little bit um, regarding how whether it would be a true Medicare for all. Um, and it kind of put her on the defensive a little bit. And, and people seem to uh, criticize her for not fully answering the question as to whether or not it would raise taxes when the answer really is like, yes, it would raise taxes, but then it would save money on health care for people. So in the end, it's a, it's a net positive. But she didn't say that. She kind of uh, sidestepped the question, and that became a, a focal point of attacks on her. Um, and then it always seemed like Senator Sanders, because of the foundation he laid down in 2012 um, and had such diehard supporters who, who felt scorned by the, the uh, Democratic nomination process in uh, 2016 that always wanted another chance to vote for him. And I also think that um, you see 
the his donations i mean it's amazing how many individual donations he has so you still see that strong support coming from all the way back from 2016 um and i do think he's going to fare well also brad because something you've talked about previously the caucus process favors uh candidates who have very strong levels of support like sanders does so i I think that's one of the things you're going to see coming into iowa yeah i think that's one of the issues i think uh uh, the quite I think uh, Sanders' support is very galvanized. Uh, I think Biden will have a tough time getting out his caucus, getting people to go out in the freezing cold and spend three hours in a fire station somewhere next Monday uh, to vote for president. Uh, and also, I think health care is a big part of it. Warren hedged her bet on Medicare for all, uh, while Sanders doubled down on the program, and I think that made it difference to the uh, liberals who are uh, very influential in Iowa and New Hampshire. But that's it for Deadline DC today. Uh, Thanks to my guest, Amy Parnas from The Hill, Tim Zink of Molecule, and executive producer Mark Grimaldi. I'm here every Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time if the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise, unless Donald Trump declares martial law, that is. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.